You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1079 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you, as always, for starting the week off with us and the Atlanta Hawks. Um, today's podcast, we'll continue our player capsule series with Bogdan Bogdanovich and Sharif Cooper. Zach Cody Peter Hoops will be joining me again momentarily to talk about Bogey and Sharif. And also, I wanted to plug last week's player capsules and really the last couple of weeks we've been talking about all the players on the Hawks roster were almost done, only a small handful to go, as well as a Jalil Okafor reaction at the end of last week that I did solo, as well as a mailbag. So a jam-packed archive. If you're new to the podcast, please uh, know that I thank you for listening. But also, please subscribe to the show, and there is a uh, full archive of podcasts for your listening pleasure that you can go back and listen to and tell your friends about, etc. Um, one piece of background here before I get to Zach and myself talking about Bogey and Sharif is that Zach and I recorded this podcast on Thursday last week because of scheduling stuff on my end. And uh, within 12 hours or so after this podcast was recorded, there was an interview um, released by Chris Kirscher of The Athletic with Bogey on Friday. So just know that we did not have knowledge of that interview and what was going to be in it when Zach and I were talking. We didn't spend a ton of time on Bogey's health in the podcast that you're about to listen to, but I did reference at the top that we had not heard anything about um, about his knees at the end of last season, and that's now no longer the case. In that interview with Chris Kirchner. Bogdanovich told Kirshner that he had a PRP injection at the end of last season and no surgery beyond that. That's good news for the Hawks because beyond that, Bogdanovich said that he's now healthy and said plainly that, quote, I have no problems now, end quote. In a different answer, he said he was working on treatment and recovery when the season was over and not having a big load on the knee helped and he started feeling better quickly after that. So um, obviously didn't have time to recover properly during the Hawks playoff run. He was trying to gut it out, was obviously uh, hampered on some level in that sort of at the, at the end of the playoffs. But we talked about that, talked around it on this podcast that you're about to hear. But just know that I did not know all this information, so I'm passing it along to you now. It's all good news on Bogey. Nothing to be concerned about from what he was telling Kirshner. And I uh, wanted to at least point that out. So just keep that in the back of your head because we recorded this a few days ago. Everything else should be up to date. And uh, that's kind of the nature of the beast when you record podcasts and try to stack them up and be presenting them <laughs> in the best possible way. So thank you as always for listening to the podcast. Before we turn it over to myself and Zach talking about Sharif and Bogdanovich, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. And the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock Antiperspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. 
If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out SweatBlock right now. Get it today for 20% off at SweatBlock.com with the promo code LOCKEDON or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code LOCKEDON at SweatBlock.com for 20% off. Promo code LOCKEDON at SweatBlock.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about the simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I am joined once again by Zach Hood of Peachtree Oops. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on again. It's uh, always fun to talk to you about basketball. We are uh, talking today to continue our player capsule series on Sharif Cooper and Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, very different players, of course, but that's uh, kind of the case with some of these as we group them together. And I want to start with Sharif. Uh, obviously, he's not played in the professional ranks just yet, other than Summer League, but I know you are a leading Sharif Cooper enthusiast dating back to before the draft, local product, all that stuff. Uh, I guess the easiest way to get into this is that to ask you what you thought of the pick, which I think most people just seem to love because of how far he fell, and then also what you saw in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, I always liked Sharif. I actually saw him play live when he was um, a junior in high school. Him and Okoro played against Brandon Boston and um, a couple other people that went like major D1, but those are the NBA people from that game. and. He's pretty much the same player in Vegas as he was that day. I mean, it was a state final four game, and he just kind of controlled. Um, Norcross ended up winning a, like a late game. It was really uh, – I think it went to overtime, and it was really just back and forth the whole game. But um, just really controls the floor, um, like a floor general. You can get inside. No one can really stay in front of him. Uh, they couldn't then, and from what I saw in Vegas – Pretty much nobody stays in front of Sharif Cooper. So uh, there's some, I guess, concerns with this game, which is why he slipped in the draft, which I know part of the reason which you probably will talk about is, you know, once he once a certain point passed, he was probably asking to not be drafted. But the Hawks did end up drafting him at number 48. So the weaknesses, I think, that maybe caused him to slip are just his size. And then I think there's some pretty legitimate concerns with his shooting, especially when you combine that with his size. But the value of where they got him and just the quality of player that he was always thought to be throughout the ranks coming up, I mean, I don't think that – it's another thing kind of like Jalen Johnson where, like, it it may or may not work out, but they couldn't have done much better in terms of just the process. Yeah, no, I I agree with all of that, actually. I mean – you referenced it, but I think there was a point where he didn't want to be drafted. Um, although, you know, when he gets to stay close to home in Atlanta, it probably softens the blow a little bit. The two way is certainly uh, favorable for the Hawks rather than Cooper, but you know, he'll have, he'll have a chance to show himself either in the G league or the NBA or both this year. And I love the pick. I talked about it ad nauseum the last, you know, two months, basically. But at the same time, you know, it's, 
it's going to matter. I, I think that uh, hopefully they will get a long look at him at some point. You know, the G League is probably going to be the place where he plays most of the season. But I think the the upside is super high. Like it's hard to replicate the upside that he has in the middle of the second round. You don't often get that kind of upside falling that far. And you know, obviously there's both potential too. And but the risk reward is very very uh, good. Um, that ratio is very strong given where he went in the draft. And, you know, the shot is the question offensively for sure. And in addition to just the size, but he shot it a little bit better in Vegas. I think his uh, mechanics have improved a little bit, a little bit cleaner. And, uh, you know, we, I don't want to make too much out of summer league, but he showed what he needed to show there. I think for the most part being up close there and also just talking to people around the league that saw him in that setting and elsewhere is that, you know, he couldn't have been, couldn't really answer any more questions than he did in that setting. Um, we'll see what he looks like in in camp. And now he's got some guys that, um, you know, he can be sort of led by. You know, he talks about Lou Williams with you already on this series, but I think Lou will be good to be around. Sharif, obviously Trey, um, even DeLon Wright's been around for a long time, a veteran. Um, him being in that locker room a lot uh, will be good. And also, you know, he has someone with him, quote-unquote, on the two-way with Scott Mays, who, you know, is four years older, five years older and has been around for a full season in the NBA. And those guys might be moving back and forth together a decent amount this year. So that sets up very well. Obviously, for, for this coming season, I don't see Shreep being a huge factor with the Hawks. Um, and that's not because of him. It's just because of the situation. There's three guys ahead of him um, headlined by a you know an all-NBA candidate at point guard. Um, do you agree? I mean, what do you see for this year? Is it just going to be mostly G League in your mind? And um, is there a path for him to get any playing time in the league? Or does he have to just kind of wait for an injury or maybe just wait for another year? Yeah, I think definitely what I mean, I don't think this will be Cooper's like literal mindset. But in terms of his playing time, the best chance is an injury. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, College Park is obviously like you would hope that they they run him there as much as possible if he's not in the rotation. So, and then, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess there will be some games, you know, where they will play him maybe on, uh, say, someone in the backcourt. And I don't want to wish bad luck on anyone, so I'm not going to say a name. Someone in the backcourt is out for a couple weeks or whatever, and it's a back-to-back. You know, there might be a situation where you're like, all right, let's play Sharif 10 minutes tonight. Um, stuff like that, I think, will be like – probably the extent of what you see at Cooper in like a normal scenario. Yeah. It's just going to be, I wish he had a clearer path. I mean, this is something we talked about a lot around the draft is just, I, I wish that um, for Cooper's sake, I wish he had a chance to have a little bit clearer path to the, to the NBA this year. I just don't see it really happening. Right, I'm just um, saying like if Lou or DeLon Wright is unavailable for. Yeah, no, they're going to, I would bet he plays games in, Yeah. If they have four games and six nights and one of those guys is like sidelined. Yeah, particularly particularly with Lou at at the age that he is, and you know, if you get you know, God forbid, you get a tray injury for two weeks, you know, he he got hurt, he had, he had the ankle last year, missed like a week and a half. If that happens, he's going to be up. I mean, he may, he may not play, but Sharif will be on the be on the roster, and you know, the the new two way rules, you you get, you get as many as fifty games that you can be active um, during the season, and because you're in College Park and you're down the street, it's one of the huge factors of wanting a team and having a team now in College Park is that a guy can be practicing with the big league club all the time almost and just go to college park for games basically uh, you know it's not going to be quite that simple but he'll be around the team a lot and i think he will play at some point even if it's just kind of they go out of their way to play him um he'll play i'm pretty confident barring injury he'll play minutes at some point in the nba this year it may not be a ton in fact i would project that it won't be a ton but i think they're going to kind of get him in there at some point 
just to see him and also just because, you know, he's going to be around the team and it just helps to have guys be on the floor to keep them engaged. Yeah, I mean, I also think, like, if he was playing with the starters, it might not be horrible. I mean, if there's not a lot of pressure on him just for, like, a couple minutes, I mean, it's hard to project, like, defense and stuff like that. But if if you just consider, like, the skills he has, like passing and penetrating, I mean, in theory, he could run Trey's role in the offense. Obviously, he wouldn't, you know, be Trey. But <laughs> yes, he, that seems he like is. A safe bet. He, <laughs> yeah, no, obviously. But he is, you know, a little penetrating guard and has great vision and kind of crafty around the basket. I mean, I, I do think Cooper with the NBA officiating would be someone that would also have a pretty good free throw rate. In a, if he had a lot of minutes. Yeah, I mean, he got to a lot of ton in, in college, and the passing is what it is. Yeah, I think that rookie point guards are usually bad, even when they're talented. So I, I'm not sure if it would work at all in the NBA right now. I think, the off, I mean, obviously the offensive talent is there, and if you put the stuff around him, I agree, that makes it easier on him. I just am scarred from, you know, the vast majority of rookie point guards are bad. Even you know, even Trey early early as a rookie was not good. Uh, he had a couple moments in his first like couple weeks, and then it was pretty bad for a while. And that's a guy who was obviously a higher priority prospect. So, but it's it's different in that he's not going to be asked to go in and carry the load. It might yeah, be a like small he, role. I'm not. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any point where he has like a set role, anyways. So I think you know those random games where Brandon Goodwin has like 20 points and stuff like he could do stuff like that. Oh yeah. That's exactly, uh, that's actually a good point. I mean, and those games were essentially when Trey was out is when right. he got the opportunity to play that way. And, you know, this year, the difference would be that the Hawks would also have DeLon Wright and Lou Williams. Um, but if you get a two-injury situation or it's a back-to-back and you just decide Trey needs to have a night off and so does Lou, and you go into a game with DeLon Wright and Sharif, he might play 20 minutes and that's okay. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I just... I'm looking forward, and in fact, I talked about it actually uh, last week on the podcast about the G League rules. I'm looking forward to like even getting down there to College Park, just watching with close, and you know, got to see him in Vegas. But um, playing against pros is just—it's good. It's going to be good for him. Um, he'll be one of the more talented guys, just pure talent in that entire league. And I—I uh, I, I think if you're a Hawks fan, you're just hoping that he looks good in that setting. And you know, it's going to be—he might have some nights where he's not great, and that's okay. He's a rookie, and the numbers will be big, I'm sure. And I'm excited about him. I mean, as much as you can be excited about a mid-second round pick is kind of where I think everybody is on him because he shouldn't have been – he shouldn't have – to bring it full circle, he shouldn't have fallen that far. So it's pretty easy to be excited about a guy who goes in the, goes in the late 40s when he shouldn't have gone in the late 40s. He definitely looked like a first-round pick in summer league. I mean, maybe not like a lottery pick, but he definitely looked like one of the best rookies. Oh, yeah, without, without a doubt. Um, and, yeah, we can, we can talk about it all day long, but I think that the Hawks know what they have – they know they got a steal for for the most part. Or they, I mean, they probably weren't taking. I'm sure. Actually, I know they weren't planning on taking the point guard at that spot. They just kind of. It was like, all right, this guy's a, a top twenty talent, and the, and the rest of these guys are not, and we'll take him. So, uh, anything else you want to add on Sharif before we move on? Nah, I think we covered it. Just you know, obviously like local and just crazy that he fell that far. Honestly, I honestly just don't believe it. Like still, it's it's still wild. He's obviously going to be quite popular. I'm sure. Uh, 
I, I don't know what kind of jersey distribution and sales they have for College Park, but they might want to print some Sharif jerseys because they'll they'll sell them if they. They're already selling Hawkster like really. I know, good. but I mean, even yeah. even College Park jerseys, like I would, I, I mean, I'm not not even like a jersey guy. That'd be an intriguing, especially if you're from Atlanta. It'd be an intriguing like cool purchase if they just did like a limited edition run of Sharif College Park jerseys. People people would buy those uh, immediately. <laughs> I'm very sure. Well, yeah, C- Cooper is gonna sell anything in Atlanta. So. Yeah, he's very popular, and uh, he, I think he's also very talented. So, all right, well, that covers uh, Sharif for now, and you go back to also Summer League Podcast, and I, I talked about him a ton with Brian Schroeder and PD Webb and others. So there's plenty of true content on this uh, on this podcast feed. But before we get to Bogdanovich, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week, and it made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball, and it's called Game Pick. It's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count for the team's total score, ensuring that an even number of games are played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players had more scheduled games that week are over, and so is the fact that you have mindless daily busy work in the previous environment, and if you're giving up halfway through the season because of that busy work, those days are also over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on all kinds of factors from player matchups to home versus away, opponents' defensive rankings, pace of play, and much more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty leagues, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love Game Picks. If you can download the Sleeper app right now and start a league with your friends today, you will not be disappointed. Sleeper's one-of-a-kind Game Pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Check it out and download the Sleeper app today. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone who is not an elite athlete like me. You're just trying to make it through the day with tension-free activities. Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good, it gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. You the, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun has also been awesome for me, uh, trying to relieve some tension from hovering over the computer all day long and being stiff and all of that. It's been a godsend through that prism. And honestly, you should use it because I use it and that you absolutely should too to be relaxed and help you feel better. Theragun is also trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and hundreds of thousands of customers in addition to me. Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. All right, Zach, let us dive into Bogdan Magdanovich, who had a really nice year in year one of a four-year contract. Uh, you know, got banged up, obviously, in the playoffs, was not quite his normal self down the stretch of that series as he was sort of dragging his leg around and it's actually really interesting uh, people have asked me for the last few months about his health and I, I generally just don't know we all kind of expected the Hawks to give an update on Bogey's knee at some point and they just never did it uh, 
both in you know exit interviews into summer league. There's been nothing. So I'm I'm gonna hope slash assume that means he it was not a long term ailment and he's been able to work out and be fine. That's where we are right now. <laughs> but um, obviously he's a huge part of this team. It's a four year deal, so he's still got three years left. You know, two plus the player option that he has. And um, I think everyone's projecting him to be starting shooting guard this year. Uh, I guess we'll start there. Is that what you expect? And um, what did you think of his first year with the Hawks? Yeah, obviously he was. Uh... Between the injury and the just how things started, he was not probably in the Lloyd Pierce fan club. I just go out and say that. And uh, uh, you can remove you can remove the word probably from that. I, I can and remember. he he just happened to be healthy the day Nate McMillan took over. Don't know if those things are related, but um, yeah, he had a great year once he got established into the starting lineup. And I mean, he was maybe the second best shooter in the NBA for a couple of months. I mean, uh, honestly, hurt. he was probably the the best shooter. Uh, you know, that's like obviously blaspheming, but uh, I have the numbers bogey in his last 23 games of last season, which was obviously an abbreviated season. He shot 49 and a half percent from three. So yeah, Curry's volume though is probably still, well, yeah, clearly. I mean, no one's better than Steph at anything. I just think that uh, I, I wanted to put it, put it over for effect that, Essentially, Bogey shot 50% from three for like two months. Yeah. I wonder what the, if Curry, he might have even had more points per possession than Curry on threes, but I don't know. It, it's wild, though. I mean, you said it. I wanna, I'll just unload the clip on these numbers that I have because you mentioned the sort of first half, second half thing and the Pierce factor, and he was not a fan of Pierce, nor was he a fan of coming off the bench, which happened for part of last season. Um, overall, he shot 47, 44, 91 with his splits for the season um and he started 27 games obviously played a lot more later on we'll get into that too um he shot 34 percent from three in the first 21 games and 49 and a half percent in the last 23 so like a tale of two uh seasons for his shooting and also like his career high true shooting percentage was 50 was 55 sorry his career number overall was 55 percent last year coming into the year and then he shot 61.6 percent true shooting last year so I think we can both say that Bogey is a very, very good shooter and also that he's not as good of a shooter as he was in the second half of last season. Uh, that's, that should not be controversial. It's not me picking on Bogey. It's that no one is as good of a shooter as he is, as he was late in the season last year, sans Steph and maybe like prime clay. Uh, I don't think he's quite that, but uh, I think that he's also much better than he was early in the year as well. So he's uh, definitely a good shooter. I just, I'm honestly curious to see where he levels out which i think i tweeted like two weeks ago but I, I don't know what to actually make of his shooting numbers because like before in Sac it's granted sacramento it was kind of a bad situation for anyone but he was not quite the same level of shooter there and i, I don't really know what to make of that it is tough to i mean obviously he's playing with a much better point guard than he ever played with in sacramento no disrespect to De'Aaron fox but <laughs> trey is better than that so I don't know if that helped that much. I mean, obviously the the streak of just not missing, shooting 50% was um, just a, a hot streak. But I mean, I mean, I think there is a reality where he's he's not that good, but you know, he's better than he was in Sacramento. I don't know. I mean, people improve over their careers. I know he wasn't your typical guy coming into the league four years ago. You know, he was 25 as a rookie in the NBA, but I mean, maybe in a hyper-efficient, you know, point guard 
that attracts a lot of attention. I mean, maybe he could be a little bit, but maybe he could be, a, you know, a low 40s instead of, what was he, like 38 or something in, in Sacramento, seems like. He's, yeah, he, it was, he's it was about more 39 like the mid, Yeah, mid 30s, basically. Um, 37.5, it says. Yeah, mid to high 30s. That's that's about what he was in. Yeah, I think it's definitely realistic to project him to be like a 40% three point shooter rather right. than 44, which is where he was last year for the full season. But I mean, he could shoot 44 again. I wouldn't be stunned by that. I just I just know he's not likely to shoot fifty, which is where, which is where he was. It's one of those things. It's always hard, particularly when a guy plays forty four games total and has that kind of first half, second half split. It's I just don't know what to make of it, and that's not me picking on him again. It's just that uh, it was such a hot streak that it has to be described as a hot streak, because um, just no one does that basically, other than like I guess Prime Corver kind of did that and 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 Steph, and that's about it. Um, but obviously his appeal goes beyond that too. That's one of the things that I know bothered me and others early in the year. I think it bothered you too, is that um, he didn't really play on the ball at all early in the season. He was much more of a secondary um, tertiary guy. He's not going to be a primary option necessarily, but I think he was uh, notably more aggressive in the second half of the season, hunting his own shot. Um, that's one of the things that I was impressed by, honestly, about Bogey last year, particularly in the second half and in the playoffs, is that he has no confidence at all. And that's what you want. I mean, he, he had a career high for three-point attempts per 100 possessions and shot attempts per 100 possessions. Like, he, he just gets shots up, and the volume there is really important. Like, he took 13 threes per 100 last year. That's a lot of volume, which I, I really like about him. Yeah, def- I mean, definitely. That's a big thing. I mean, it's not the percentage. That's what I was going to say when we were talking about whether whatever percent it's going to be it. I don't want to say it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously there's a big difference in like 38 and 43 or something, but in a sense, you can kind of just say like, it doesn't really matter as long as he's the guy that they're paying him to be. Then the really, the more important things are just that he, that knee situation is resolved, which I think hopefully, like you said, it is. I mean, it would be really strange if they just kind of dropped something now that he had a procedure. And then, cause now, I mean, you're getting pretty close to people just assuming he's the starter. You know what I mean? And well, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I haven't come across anyone that doesn't think that. I mean, I know. No, I don't mean like that. I just mean like the season's actually here. So like, right. No, I, that's, why, that's, that's kind of why I led with that because it was just so strange. Like October 4th, they have a game is what I'm saying. So like, Yeah, they I have a preseason know. game in like three weeks. Yeah, it's it's very – I that's what I kind of said earlier. I assume he is healthy. Uh, it just was very weird the way it was not talked about. Um, I guess like Bogdan Bogdanovich doesn't have a hurt knee is kind of a weird press release to send. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, that the only explanation. And listen, if they come out and say in the next two weeks that he had a procedure and they didn't say anything, it's going to look bad. I mean, it's happened before across the league, not only with the Hawks, but like famously LaMarcus Aldridge had a procedure like on his like I think it was like a shoulder and they just didn't say anything for like six weeks and they were like by the way he had this procedure the Spurs um it has happened it's just that I don't think it's going to I think he's probably probably fine I just want to at least say it because last time we saw him he was not himself I mean he was very clearly limited in the playoffs um at the end I was gonna say he shot 33 percent from three in the playoffs and played four more minutes despite being hurt he was playing 33 minutes a game instead of 29 it's actually crazy. Uh, one of the things that, that I wrote down and, and prepped for this was uh, once he came back um, under Nate and was healthy and started starting again, which didn't happen right away. It was it was shortly thereafter. 
But uh, he led the team in minutes from that point forward, and that includes Trey. He was playing more than Trey uh, down the stretch of last season. Now, it's not that much more, but uh, that was noteworthy. And I think a, a big part of that was the fact that they didn't have Hunter or Reddish. So even if you look at his numbers in terms of like his lineup numbers, Bogey actually, according to Basketball Reference, played more at the three than the two last year. And that's because, really, because they didn't have Hunter or Reddish. I think he's definitely the starting two. Um, but it's just noteworthy that, A, he, he's able to do that because he is like very stocky and physical and strong. But he he showed that he can play a lot of minutes. Like He played a lot of minutes, he was flexible, and uh, you know having him and Herter both, uh, your, your two shooting guards who are both um, big enough, long enough to play some three is also very helpful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's better at the two, like you were saying, just because there's some threes that are pretty hard to deal with in the NBA, especially as you get into the postseason. Um, but, I mean, he's definitely, you know, got big enough and – He's physical enough. He's not like an amazing defender, but he's very competitive. And really, when you have him and Herder out there, it doesn't really matter who's the two and who's the three. Cause, and that's like a lot of the time he was technically at the three was with Herder. But, I mean, they might cross-match something if they, you know, just depending on matchups and giving guys a break. I mean, if you're playing the Bucks, like, you're not going to make one person guard Middleton the whole game or something. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what do you make of his defense? Because, like, Last year, his defensive metrics were pretty solid. Like he was, you know, above average for the most part in a lot of the metrics. I think people, particularly before he got to Atlanta, Hawks fans were skeptical of his defense. I think because he's a white wing, and that's what happens. Um, I think he's not great, but he's also, like I just said before, like he's he is physical, and I think he's just like average, which isn't like a flashy, sexy thing to say, but. That's fine. I mean, when you're when you're average, and he's not the like most nimble guy. Like he's not the quickest guy on the perimeter. He's almost better guarding some threes on some circumstances. But are you just okay with his defense? Because that's kind of where I am at this point. Like I think he's not fantastic, but he's also not a negative at all. Yeah, I mean that's basically where I'm at. He's not like a stopper or whatever. You know, he's not like he's probably not even someone people will give him credit for being a two way player. But I think he is a two way. I mean, I think he. He can kind of jump out in the passing lane, you know, if you throw in something and advise. He's not like Kawhi Leonard, like just making all these crazy plays, but he just competes and then he gives you a lot on the other end. And really, you know, offense is what you have to be good at. So, particularly at the two, like it's, right. uh, it's a definitely offensive position. Uh, he was in the 94th percentile in EPM offense last year. It's only one metric, but that tells you like how good he was when he played. Um, and this is a crazy one too. 538 has done this projection. I know you talked about him on written about him on Peace Trips and stuff. Uh, he played 44 of 72 games last year, which is, you know, less than two thirds of the games. Uh, and he was still worth quote unquote, $18.7 million for the Hawks in 44 games last year. So that tells you that like he had a great season, uh, projected for about $24 million this year, this year in terms of his overall value. And also like lineup wise, he was basically good with everyone except for a Kongwu. Like it was only like two man lineup. Uh, a Kongwu and like slightly Lou Williams were the two that were like below water. But he was great with Capella, as like everyone was basically. He was good with Trey, good with Collins. The three man groups of like Young, McDonough, and Capella were plus ten. Young, Bogey, and Collins were plus ten. Bogey with Collins and Capella, regardless of point guard, was plus ten and a half. So like he was just in a lot of good lineups last year. And part of that's that he played a lot more when they got good. 
uh, last in the second half, partly because of he because of him. Like he was a huge factor in that. Honestly, it's probably underplayed actually, like how much of a driver he was of their success in the second half. But like essentially, when he pl- once once he got healthy, when he played, they were good. I think I said this on the Trey Young podcast. If you have Trey and you have another guy shooting fifty percent from three, you're not going to lose that much. Yeah. Because Trey is – you're already a 110 offensive rating just when Trey steps on the floor. So if someone like that's going crazy, you're up to like 118, 120, especially considering Collins is out there getting his. And then it doesn't even matter who the other guys are, whether it's Hunter, Reddish, you know. If Bogey plays like that, it literally doesn't matter. Just get five of those eight other guys, and you're going to probably be the four seed at worst. Yeah, I mean, and this is a uh, an arbitrary endpoint of the all-star break last year, but post break in 33 games. So that's 33 of his 44 games that he played in were after the all-star break. The Hawks had a 118 offensive rating when he played. Uh, and a lot of that's Trey too. You know, Trey's was after the break was actually like 120. So or 121. So obviously it's not only bogey, but like the fact that he was able to do what he did, shoot with no conscience, play decent defense, and uh, just compliment them well is uh, is very very helpful. And also his mid range game is effective. You know Nate, I'm not always the biggest fan of mid range jumpers, long range long twos basically. But the good thing about the Hawks is that they took a lot of twos in that range, which, which I don't love. But they have a bunch of guys who are really good in that range. And maybe my favorite bogey stat, other than the threes, uh, the crazy three point percentage last year, the last two seasons on Basketball Reference, he is shooting 55 percent on long twos. 16 to 23 feet, 55%. No one shoots that well on long twos, but apparently Bogey is like Kevin Durant on long twos. So It's crazy. I mean, he does have that size, and typically whoever's guarding him is is at least lighter than him, so he can kind of get that space. But I don't know. I I, I mean, that, that actually is really, like, staggering. If you would have just asked me, I mean, I know he's good at them, but I probably would have guessed like 48. I mean, Chris Paul's like 51. And I mean, it's, it's like... not a huge sample, to be fair. Like, in early in his career, it was like somewhere in the, you know, it was, it was more in the low 40s, which is a very, like, normal, like, pretty decent number. Right. So I'm not sure it's, like, sustainable that he's shooting that high on long twos for two seasons, but he's doing it. And honestly, my question to you, and I'll, I'll give my answer too, like, I feel like if Bogdanovich is squared up and, like, has any space at all, I feel like it's going in, which isn't always the case, but. There's that, so, it, that there's that inherent confidence level where like <laughs> I just feel like it's going in. So does he? Yeah, that's I love it. I, I love how confident he is. I really do. Like it's it's really fun. Um, we were joking offline about um, who before the podcast when we were saying who would be better this season, Clay Thompson or or Bogey. They do kind of both just have that like I'm six seven, and if you're not right on me, I'm shooting it like. They are similar and and he, he was very clay like very clay like last season when he knew he was hot then, late in the year. Like obviously clay is more automatic, but like also I mean and a better just, defender. I would just end yeah. In the comparison there kind of though, because obviously Bogey does um more on the ball. So I don't know. But one of the yeah, I, you know, Bogey is a pretty good ball handler to like the one thing I would point out from last year, if you want to be uh, concerned, Trolley, is that he took a career low in free throw attempts. Like, he didn't really get to the rim much at all last year. Um, I'm not sure what to make of that. Um, I don't really care either because for his career, basically, he's taken, you know, 70-plus percent of his shots from outside the outside of 10 feet 
Uh, last year was 78% of his shots were outside of 10 feet. So that's what he's going to do. But he didn't really, I mean, it wasn't like he was a huge part of his game early in his career, but he definitely got to the rim and got to the line at a higher clip in Sacramento than he did in Atlanta. Take from that what you will, but it's always something that I wanted to point out. Yeah, I think playing with Capella, it kind of discourages you from going in there because you know it, you know the health's going to be there. Like I think that's why Trey takes so many floaters this year and didn't make as many of them just because he just settled for a lot more. It's just Capella is obviously a net positive, but and I won't make this a Capella podcast, but I mean that is the one drawback to him is like when you drive, <laughs> when you drive, he's just there. So like that's why he gets a lot of dunks because you end up getting doubled, but. I mean, it seemed like Bogey had a few lobs to Capella, too, so maybe a lot of his shot attempts turned into lobs. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and honestly, Capella and Collins. Yeah, and maybe the trade-off, too, is that his turnover rate was a career low last year, which is a good thing. Um, he turned the ball over only 8.5% of the time, down from like 11 or 12 early in his career. So he's a very low turnover player. Part of that is he doesn't really pass a ton. Like He's not a, he's not a great passer, but he's a decent passer. He, he sees he feels the game decently. He's hunting a shot, which I think was what the Hawks want from him, quite honestly. Um, but you know, we saw the what he can be down the stretch, and that's you know he averaged 22 points a game in the last 23 games last year. Again, shooting unsustainably hot, but I think it's possible. I said this on last week's mailbag show. I think it's conceivable that Bogey could average 20 a game on great efficiency and like be like a fringe All Star candidate. I wouldn't pick him to do that. But he is one of the guys, one of the three or four guys outside of Trey who could conceivably have like this like scalding hot first half and be a fringe all-star. I, I could see that definitely happening. Yeah, him and Collins and Capella would probably be – I mean, I guess – And Hunter. Hunter, yeah, I, I, think, Hunter. I think Hunter may be able to do it too, but I, I, I agree. I think it's those three. Uh, Hunter – it's the same thing with Hunter though. Like Hunter needs to average – honestly, I said this on – I wonder if you agree – I think you basically have to average 20 a game to be an all-star, like realistically to get to get voted. Unless you're a like unless, damn. You're, unless you're Capella or yeah, unless you're like an elite defensive big, the only way to get be an all-star is probably to average 20 points a game. And I'm not sure Hunter's going to be able to do that this year, but that's I think he maybe could if he just went crazy. So, you know. No, we got to get Sabonis in there. Forget all oh, that. Oh lord, yeah. Vooch and Sabonis. Uh, but yeah, I think we've sort of covered the bogey spectrum, but I mean He's 29. He just turned 29 years old. Uh, I guess that at some point you could see a little bit of decline in terms of like not a ton, but you're you're in that age now where you could level off a little bit. Um, he's been playing professionally for a long time. You know, he was playing at a high level in Serbia and Turkey before he came over. Um, but 29 is 29. It's not too old. I mean, 538 projections have him kind of dipping out after this year a little bit, but not nothing too crazy. I mean, do you expect him to have? his best year because last year was definitely his best season in the NBA, particularly on a per game basis. Like he played less total minutes because he had the injury, but last year was his best season pretty clearly statistically. Can he, I mean, not that he has to shoot that well again, but you think his, this, this can be his best overall year when you combine like volume minutes played and impact. Yeah. I think there's a pretty good chance of that. I mean, just because in Sacramento, I think, he was always good, but they kept jerking him around with his role, like between him and Buddy Heald and like whatever they were doing. Sacramento has long just been weird. And uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of guys might play better other places, but I don't know. I think, you know, as far as, especially if you're just considering the, like you said, the overall impact and minutes played and stuff, I mean, 
He's not going to shoot like he did last season probably, but also, you know, he only had 27 starts last year, so it won't really be hard for him to be better this year if he has, like, a complete season. And then, like I said, I think being on Atlanta for a full season, he will see, like, a better version of himself than he ever did with Sacramento. And then I other thing that, you know, I just I wanted to piggyback on what you were saying about how long he's been playing professionally if you go to basketball reference, his first professional season, according to that, was when he was 20 in 2012-13. So this upcoming season would be his 10th professional season, just to put in perspective, like, what kind of mileage he has. Yeah, it's not like he, you know, those seasons are not necessarily as grueling as NBA seasons. But, you know, he's got some miles on him. I, I'm not going to – he's not <laughs> – the the my takeaway really is that it's not he's not your typical fifth year player like he's been around for a while which is also a good thing in terms of playing but he is 29 years old it's not like he's 35 but 29 is like an age where you might be on the like crest and could be coming down i don't know we'll yeah. see i think he'll probably barring him having some sort of uh, major injury or something i think the hawks should be good throughout this contract as far as getting i mean if he's worth $25 million this year and he was worth – I mean, you can say he was only worth 18.6 or whatever, but if you consider the usage in the playoffs, I would probably bump that up even a little. So I think he's already been worth – if he has a good season this year, he'll have already been worth like $50 million through the first two years. So Oh, yeah. I think they're doing fine on that contract. Oh, the deal is – yeah, the deal, the deal is totally fine. I was going to ask you that too, but the, the deal is totally fine. There's still a chance that Bogey opts out. I mean – I mentioned that early in the offseason. People were a little bit surprised. But look, I mean, if he does what he did last year, uh, some version of that, like he'll be the kind of guy who might at least consider opting out. It's not like it's a huge number. It's going to be like, you know, it's like $19 million. It's not this. And with the cap rising a little bit by the end, if he's still playing at this level or, or something like it, um, he, I would almost project that he opts out. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, two I more years of, of a contract. Completely forgot he had. When is the opt out? It's the last year, so it's oh, just player okay. option on, on year four. The way so you guess, were saying that, I was thinking he could do it like next no, year. No, 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 no. It's it's two oh. it's two more two more two more guaranteed years than the fourth year is the opt out. But still, it's like uh, people were. Just I mean, because he's when gonna, he signed it, like it's he's going to be like thirty or thirty one. I think he definitely will opt out, even if it's just to come back and get more money. That's what I mean. It's more that it's more like, like you don't have to be the, afraid for the Hawks. It's just gonna, the business move is definitely to opt out for sure. I mean, unless he's hurt or something. Yep, that's just the way people – I mean, it's, as long as you are holding your value, it is generally better to opt out, and that's why giving a player option is not great from the team side. But famously, of course, they wanted the Kings not to match that deal, so they had to give right. the sweeteners and all that stuff. So yeah. that's the price of RFA, folks, is that you have to make yeah. the deals less team-friendly. Opt out and get a raise is what everybody should do. Indeed. Um, all right, well, Bogey, I think we've we've generally covered uh, – I think he'll be the starting shooting guard if he, as long as he is healthy at this beginning of the season. and. Hopefully, if you're the Hawks, he's healthier than he was last year. Um, but the good thing is, in Sacramento, he was generally available. He played 78 games as a rookie, 70 as a second year, and it's 61 in an abbreviated season. So he's generally been a 70-ish game per season player, whereas last year he was like on pace to you know play like less than 50 in a full season. So hopefully a little bit healthier. But other than that, like you can't really nitpick. He was awesome when he played. Yep. No, I mean, definitely pro bogey, and he's a great guy to have, so. Expecting a pretty good season. Absolutely. Um, all right, man. Well, thank you for doing this yet again. I believe as we record this one, we have two more to do after this. We have not 
discuss John Collins, Gorgie Jang, Diary Hunter, or uh, any of the Solomon Hill, TLC, Jaleel Okafor trio, which I'm not sure we'll even do those three guys as, as separate ones, but maybe we'll just throw them in on one of these uh, in the near future. But we're getting close, and I appreciate all of your help, my friend. Anything anything to plug? Uh, I think you should do like an hour solo on Jaleel Okafor. But... I did. I already did an emergency podcast that was not really an emergency podcast, a pseudo emergency podcast last Thursday as we were talking now on the Okafor uh, signing. It was like ten solid minutes on Jalil. That's all. That's all I had though, to be honest. <laughs> but you did that today. Today, yes. It's, 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 oh, okay. We're talking. We're talking right now on Thursday. People aren't going to. People aren't going to hear this until later. But yes, I recorded this today. It was fun. Sports. All right. You going to record an emergency podcast when they release them? Uh, no, uh, I think that's probably going to be what happens at the end of the day, but we'll see what happens. Uh, all right. Plug yourself, my friend. You're here. All right. I'm here. I write for Peace Street Hoops. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, you can find all our stuff, you know, at Peace Street Hoops. We continue the player preview series today with, who was it? Don't even remember who it was. All kinds of players have been previewed. Yeah, we got, we're like halfway through. We got a few left. Um, check it out at Twitter or at Zhood underscore on Twitter. Oh, it's Cam Reddish because I had to write the Okafor newsery. I got buried, so there it is. Cam Reddish today for all you people. Gala was yesterday. Uh, we still got Trey and Collins previews coming up, so you know, stay tuned for that. But yeah, be back for a couple more of these with Brad. Yeah, your uh, your written home for Hawks content is Peachtree Hoops. I am a reader uh, still, despite not being there anymore, uh, and I bug you guys in Slack from time to time. But uh, thank you, Zach, for joining me as always. And uh, I appreciate you doing this. I'm sure we'll uh, have some more fun in the near future with two more of these. But uh, people should be subscribing to this podcast. Check out Beastry Hoops. Follow Zach. Follow me if you'd like to. (laughs) We'll see you all next time.